You know, there's just something about Friday night. For a lot of people, it's the end of the work week, and you can just sort of chill out. You don't have to worry about getting a good night of sleep because you don't have any particular reason to get up early on Saturday. So Friday night is often when many people just kind of exhale, maybe order some food to be delivered, see what's on Netflix or Hulu, and just kind of zone out. Maybe even fall asleep on the couch because who cares? You can sleep in tomorrow. That was the plan that Anika had on a Friday night. Have some dinner, put her daughters to bed, and then her best friend was coming over for a glass or two of wine, and they would just unwind. It was going to be a nice, quiet evening to end the week. But that's not what happened. Real people in unreal situations. There is a girl hanging by her broken leg from the telephone wire. And I called 911 and I said, I found a baby. I turned around. I see a gun pointed at me close enough I could touch it. She would hold our heads underwater all the time. He levels the gun, pulls the trigger, and I go down. Her eyes were full of tears. She didn't want to leave us. My hair catches on fire. I swear to God, this, is, this image is burning my head for the rest of my life. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? Hey, it's Scott, and guess what? You're about to hear an ad, and that's both good and bad. It's good because ads are what make it possible for me to keep bringing you these episodes, and it's bad because, well, maybe you don't like listening to ads, and I get that. And the good news is, you don't have to. When you sign up to support the show, you get every single episode without any ads. Plus, you get all the bonus episodes. Yeah, did you know there are actually bonus episodes? And you can try it all for free just to see what it's like. If you're on an iPhone, just go to the What Was That Like podcast and at the top, click on Try Free and you're in. On Android, just go to whatwasthatlike.com plus and try it out completely free. Once you've had the ad-free experience, you'll see why hundreds of other listeners are already doing it. But for now, here's another ad, and then on with today's episode. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Who was home when this happened? It was me and my two girls, Ari and Addison. So you have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. They kind of require a lot of attention. What was your life like at that time? At that time, I was in college. I was doing my undergrad degree for psychology, and I was a single mom. Of course, two toddlers. Uh, <laughs> they are very busy. A single mom, two little girls. Were you working also, or how were you paying the bills at that time? Yes, I was a car hop at Sonic, actually, and I was working a lot of hours and going to school, so it was kind of rough. Wow, that is a busy life, for sure. And you guys were in an apartment. How was the apartment laid out? It was a two-bedroom, just one bath. You just walked in. There was a closet right in front of you as you walk in, and then a bar, and to the right was a living room area. To the left was the little bar. It had a little cutout, and you looked into the kitchen area. And then as you walked up past the living area was the dining room area. There were two sliding glass doors that led out to a patio. And then as you walked a little bit further from past the living room, there was a bathroom straight ahead and then two bedrooms, one on each side. 
the right and the left. And the the critical part of that is that the sliding glass doors kind of faced a street, right? What was behind that? Yes. Okay. So the patio doors faced a busy road and directly across from my patio doors was a neighborhood, entrance to a neighborhood, and it had a stop sign there. And coincidentally, when I moved in, I voiced my concerns about being across from the stop sign and had a fear of a car driving through or an accident. And the apartment lady kind of said, oh, well, what are the odds? So didn't she say it had happened once before? Yes, a very long time ago. So what are the odds? She basically brushed it off. And when it, do you know, when she was telling you that when it happened before, was it your apartment? I think I remember her telling me that it was the apartment next to mine that had had the issue, that had the accident. Yeah, I mean, it is a concern. You know, I mean, people people come out of that neighborhood. Of course, it's, if it's a neighborhood, they shouldn't be coming at a high speed and they're just coming up to a stop sign. But still, it's a car that's coming your direction and you're counting on that driver to stop at the stop sign. Exactly. It's uh, I could see where it would be a little bit of a concern. Yeah. Yes, it made me very nervous. <laughs> this was a Friday night and you had just picked the girls up from daycare. Can you just take us through what happened? I had picked them up from daycare. I had been on the phone with my best friend and we were going to have a little hangout at my house. So I stopped off at the store to get a couple things for dinner and was going to just head home and hang out and wait for her to come over. Most nights we would just be in the living room until it was bedtime because I had my TV out there and it was a big enough living room to where the girls could rip and run the way they wanted to and I could keep an eye on both of them and we could just kind of play and spend time with one another until it was bedtime. This night was different because my youngest was very sleepy and she was the type to put herself to bed when she was tired. I never had to really get her. So she, I could tell she was tired. So I went ahead and put her in her crib so that she could go ahead and go to sleep for the night because she would have stayed asleep for the rest of the night. Ari was in my room uh, also relaxing and she was watching TV in there as I was getting ready to, you know, put some food on the stove and kind of chat some more with my best friend until she came over. I was making a uh, stir fry that I had wanted um, and just some little snacks, I guess. But yeah, stir fry. <laughs> Very simple at that time. <laughs> I needed something quick and easy. Quick and easy, but I bet the place smelled good, though. Oh, yeah, it definitely did. It was fantastic. I was cooking, and um, I had opened the blinds to the sliding glass doors. I always did that when I got home. And I would just stand, look and stare out at the road and watch the cars go by, you know, if I was on the phone. So I had done that when I came home, had gotten the food on the stove, and was walking back and forth between the kitchen and the dining room area and looking out the glass doors. And as I was on the phone with my best friend, just kind of keeping an ear out for either of the girls in case, you know, the baby woke up or my oldest needed something, just something like that. I was walking back and forth and I'm on the phone with Anna and I kind of stopped in front of the glass doors and saw that a SUV was coming up to the stop sign from inside the neighborhood and didn't really think that much of it every day. This is something that happens every single day. And so I was going back and forth, checking on the food. And the next time that I came in front of the glass doors, I stood and stopped for a moment and was watching the SUV. And I noticed that they didn't seem like they were going to slow down as they approached the stop sign. So I'm thinking, oh, wow, they're going a little bit fast to be approaching a stop sign. Whatever. I continued talking, and 
then I noticed that it's almost as though they sped up as they were approaching the stop sign. And I thought, oh my gosh, something just told me she's coming in here. You need to get back. I firmly believe that that was that was God telling me to to get out of the way. So I took maybe two steps back from in front of the glass doors and into the kitchen area. And as soon as I did so, she came crashing through. I cannot even, I still can hear how loud the sounds were of this car just barreling through because at the speed she was going, she had to go up on a curb. She had to crash through the fence that enclosed my patio and through the sliding glass doors and through my dining room table that was in the dining room. So all of those sounds at once, and it felt like a tornado had whipped through. There was so much wind. There were things flying, like I could feel uh, glass particles and things like that kind of hitting me in the face. Worst sound ever. I don't think, I will never forget that, the sound of that car driving through there like that. Horrible sound. I was still on the phone with Anna, of course, and I just screamed, someone just drove into my apartment. Please get here. And I just tossed my phone. I didn't even know what to think at that point. I, I, I was terrified. You said you felt the little shards of glass hitting you. Was that from the sliding glass door or was there some other source of shattered glass? I'm assuming it's definitely from the sliding glass doors and then my dining room table was also glass. So it's definitely coming from both of those, I'm assuming. I also had a fishbowl in the middle of the dining room table, so that got the axe as she blew through. Mr. Fish did not survive this. No, Mr. Fish did not survive. I had literally just bought that fish the day before this occurred, so that was very sad. How far away, I mean, could you, was the car coming right in front of you or to your side, or how far were you from where the car came in? I would say not more than two feet right in front of me. I literally took two steps back. You would have obviously been seriously injured if you had not seen this thing coming. Yes, that was, in hindsight, that was one of the things that really got to me later on was if I had been standing there and had my back turned to those doors, that probably would have been it for me, especially as fast as she was going. I had thrown my phone, and it seemed like time was just so slow, so slow in that moment, because I'm looking around, and of course, as a mother, your first instinct is, where are my kids? How are my kids? So I'm briefly scanning around the apartment, which wasn't hard because she had taken out the entire room that connects the living room and my daughter's room. So I could see straight in. I then realized my oldest was screaming and crying for me. I couldn't see where she was at immediately. And I looked towards my girl's room and saw that my one-year-old was still in her crib, but I couldn't really see the rest of I just saw her legs at that point. And she wasn't moving. So I knew I had to get to her first. It was then that I kind of like took a second to look around me and everything was demolished. Everything. The dining room table was 
all the way across the living room. The recliners that I had in the living room were by the front door area, just on their sides. The entertainment center that I had was a giant wood entertainment center. Super heavy, tall, demolished, gone. I had just bought a new TV, a flat screen, the day before, and that was demolished. All I saw was the screen part of that, just haphazardly, you know, on top of rubble, like wood, drywall, boards, a lot of glass, a lot of nails sticking up out of these boards. Things from my girl's room that seemed to have been kind of sucked out of their room and into the living room. I'm assuming from the force of wind and all of that, it was like a tornado just kind of like opened up that wall and sucked a couple of their things out into the living room. I knew that I had to get to the baby. I could hear my oldest screaming, so I figured she's she's obviously, I guess, quote, okay. So the next thing I thought was I need to get to the baby. I realized that the car had finally come to a stop. It almost went through the other side of my apartment and into the parking lot, but it was stopped by the brick. So that's how fast you get an idea of how fast she was actually going because the living room window was shattered. So she would have gone straight through it had it been any faster, I'm assuming. So that living room window was on the opposite side of the apartment from where the sliding glass doors were? Yes. And that was completely shattered. So she almost went all the way through. Yes. That's how fast she was going. You could see Addison's legs, but that she wasn't moving. That's got to be terrifying. It was, I can't even describe it, honestly. My brain was just telling me that I needed to get to her immediately, no matter what, what it took. I'm sure the moms out there can tell you exactly how absolutely terrifying it is. I don't think words can really describe it as a mother. It's it's unlike anything. You've got all this rubble and you've got a car, not just a car, but an SUV in your living room. Were you able to get to her? I was starting to get to her. I had turned first to see if the people in the SUV were getting out because they hadn't gotten out of the vehicle. And at this point, Rage is kind of setting in a little bit. So I started to walk over. I say walk, uh, I guess shuffle over some of the debris to get to my 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 youngest. And she sat up in her crib and she had drywall and debris all over her. And she sat up and kind of looked at me like, hey, I was napping. Like, she had no clue what had just happened. She just was wondering why she got woken up from her nap. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Uh, she, she wasn't impressed. So immediately that relief set in for me that, okay, she's, she's up. She's, she's okay. I could see her. You know, she was covered in drywall, dust, and whatever else. But I could see that she wasn't bleeding. She was okay, surface-wise. It was then that, like, genuine rage set in for me. I was incredibly angry. Because at, at this point, you knew the girls were had survived this because you could see Addison and she was up and Ari was, at least you could hear her yelling in the other room or yeah. something, right? What, what did you see about Ari at that point? I could hear her screaming, but I couldn't see her. I noticed that she was pinned behind a little slab of the wall that connected the dining room to my room. 
And the only thing left of that wall kind of was my door to my room. And it had been knocked off of its hinges so badly that it was kind of wedged into the carpet. And she was behind that door and in between the dining room wall, just in a little pocket, just wedged there. People say that miracles don't happen or God doesn't exist. That was God for her to be standing there like that, untouched. I knew that she was okay for that that time. Even though I couldn't see her, she's screaming, so she's there. You still had this car in your living room with people in it. Yes. Were they starting to get out or what? Yes, uh, they were not getting out. And this really pissed me off. In that moment, I'm wondering, why haven't they, why haven't they gotten out and asked if we're okay? Obviously, I'm being selfish in this moment and not thinking, hey, are they okay? All I could see was this person drove through my living room. They could have killed me and my kids, and they're knocking out of their vehicle. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. And her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you, because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what, or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what, or going to cookunity.com slash what. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I remember approaching the driver's side and screaming for them to get out and banging on their the driver's side window. And they just sat there. In hindsight, probably in shock. But at that point in time, I wasn't thinking like that. And so I got even more angry that they were just sitting there. I'm banging on the driver's side door and telling them to get out and asking them, you know, what's wrong with you? And every other four-letter word was probably coming out of my mouth at that point in time. They still weren't getting out. And I ended up punching the driver's side window just out of pure anger. And right when I did it, I heard something, I felt something snap in my hand. And I figured, okay, well, I just broke something, obviously. Didn't care. I wasn't feeling any pain. I just felt the snap. I just knew that I wanted these people out of their car so I could get to them. It didn't break the window, obviously, but that's kind of where I was at at that point. Yeah, when you've got so much adrenaline going through, you, you don't feel that. No, nothing. Pain like you would normally. No, no. Just felt the snap and that was it. So you couldn't call 911 because you'd thrown your phone somewhere. Or did you know where your phone was? Oh, no. I didn't. No clue. I had just thrown it to the left and hadn't even thought about it at that point. I just knew at this point, I'm wasting time trying to get these people out of their vehicle. Let me just get start getting to my kids. I wasn't looking down or anything. I just, I had that tunnel vision view. Just let me get to my child. I was kind of stumbling because these heaps of debris and everything were just, they were pretty tall. And I just heard a voice out of nowhere, ma'am, ma'am, over here. And I turned and there were two teenage boys. One of them had their hand out and was waving for me to come towards him. And I told him, I need to get to my daughter first. And he said, ma'am, you don't have any shoes on. Your, your feet are bleeding. That's when I looked down and realized that I kind of had cuts on my feet. My feet were bleeding, but I wasn't feeling that at that point in time. I would have told you that I was wearing shoes had I not looked down. I had totally forgotten. I said, I need to get to my daughter. And I shuffled over and I'm, it felt like walking through, like when you're in the ocean and there's a bunch of seaweed and it's like just wrapped all over your legs and things like that. And it's like, you're just trudging. That's what it felt like. It felt like I just couldn't get there in the speed that I wanted to get there. It was very frustrating. And eventually... I did. I grabbed Addison and proceeded to turn back so that I could get to where the boys were. And I realized that I was stumbling a little bit too much. I was very shaky at that point. And I saw how many nails were sticking up through these boards and how much glass there was and realized, you know what, I need to hand off my daughter to one of these boys so that they can take her safely because I didn't want to fall with her in my arms and have something and injure her. So I handed off my daughter to one of the boys who was on the phone calling 911 for me. And I allowed the other teen boy to grab my hand and I said, I, I need to get to my other daughter first, please. There was a little bit of a pathway for me to get to Ari. I got to her. She was untouched. She didn't have any cuts, no bruises, nothing. She was just pinned in that little pocket, scared to death. I reached her and was like, okay, I've got my kids. I got my kids. Okay. Okay. And I think... My head just was spinning at that point. I was still trying to figure out 
if I was dreaming or if it was real. It was it's like this weird dream state that you're in when something like that happens and you're kind of touching yourself and you're looking around and you're just is this is this happening right now like that's the feeling that I had like I just couldn't grasp the moment it was very it was unreal that feeling these boys that stopped to help were they from the neighborhood did you know them no no I'd never seen them I'm assuming that they had seen what happened and were the first people to run over as quickly as they had gotten there. They are, they're A-OK in my book. Two teens, you wouldn't really expect for them to immediately spring into action and help someone. Even an adult, if you see something like that happen, some adults would not go toward that situation. They would run away. Because you come in, you walk into that apartment, there could be dead bodies there. And peop, some people just can't handle that or they wouldn't know how to deal with it. But these guys ran up and wanted to help. That's, yeah, that's quite a, quite a thing. Yeah, it was amazing, honestly. I am so grateful to them for that. My room was the only room that didn't have a bunch of debris or wasn't compromised we were sitting on the bed and first responders showed up and they're asking me all these questions. They asked me what my, what my apartment number was and I couldn't even tell them. I was so frazzled. I couldn't even tell them what, where I lived. Nothing. I just said, I, I don't know. I don't know. And they said, okay, okay, it's fine. Do you have any idea why they were asking you that? Because they were already there. I don't know. Honestly, maybe they had to direct EMS there. I'm thinking or that it, maybe it was for the 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 ambulance. I don't I don't I don't know. I thought it was very weird uh, myself, but I couldn't tell them. I didn't even know my name at that point. They were asking me. I can't even remember. It was just a whole slew of questions, and my brain was swimming, and. They eventually said that we needed to go ahead and exit the apartment because the support beams in the living room were compromised and they weren't sure if there was going to be any kind of collapsing or issues with that. So they wanted to be safe and get us completely out of the apartment and have us checked out, obviously, when EMS got there. Obviously, you were on the first floor. But there were apartments above yours? Yes. Apartments above and next to me. So, yeah, there would be concern about the people in those places as well if the whole building collapsed somehow. Yes, yes. I remember they did have to have the lady directly above me temporarily leave her apartment so they could make sure that they secured support beams and things like that so that there was no collapsing for her. We made it outside, and by this point, there was a sea of people just kind of gathered outside and on the sidewalk, and cars are just whizzing by, and I'm still just trying to figure out if this is really happening. And Anna showed up, and I just kind of lost it a little bit. It was good to see a friendly face. Um, everybody up until this point are strangers. I hadn't really let go of any emotion at that point either. I was just in that, you know, mama bear mode, make sure I'm taking care of my kids and let's just get out of here. So she showed up and people were asking questions of each other and they I, I remember people weren't realizing that it was me, that it was my apartment as people started showing up more and questioning each other. And I remember telling someone like, this is my apartment. It's me. I'm the person that this happened to. And people started coming over and trying to, you know, comfort me. Um, I thought it was really 
awesome to see people coming together that didn't know me at all and just kind of reassuring me like, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You guys are okay. Stuff can be replaced. You guys can't. They just kept telling me because I'm starting to realize at this point, like, we don't have anything now. All of our stuff is ruined. We have nothing. So that was kind of setting in for me at that point. But people just kept telling me stuff can be replaced. It's okay. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Eventually, at one point, as we were standing there, a news crew showed up. I didn't, I wasn't paying any attention to that. I felt like I had tunnel vision and my hearing was just not even, I, I, I was flustered. So I didn't notice that they had shown up. Anna was the one that noticed. And she said, hey, you need to come over here and tell them what happened. So I went over to the news crew and, you know, they kind of asked me a few questions. I don't even remember, honestly, Scott, what I even said. It was probably a bunch of jumbled nonsense at that point. I couldn't tell you what I said. Wouldn't it be interesting to watch the oh video of that interview now? I wish so bad because later on my dad had mentioned that a coworker had seen me on the news and I looked and searched for weeks after to see if I could get any kind of clip and I never found one. And I would just really be interested to see like what I said and how I was acting. Because at that point I was still act- pretty ups- pretty angry at the driver as well. Talking about the driver... Eventually, they got out of the car, right? Um, yeah, the first responders still had them kind of exiting the apartment. When I saw them get out of the vehicle and kind of come out, I just lost it. I wanted to know why, why they did this. I started screaming obscenities. I'm pretty sure I'd said something like, I will kill you. It was rough. I was very angry. As soon as, I don't know what, it was like a a switch flipped when they got out of their vehicle and I saw that they were okay and all of our stuff is gone and we have nothing now. I, I was, that was it for me. I remember a lady standing next to me and she was trying to calm me down and she just said your stuff can be replaced it's gonna be okay and I just wasn't hearing it I wanted to get at that driver if there hadn't been people there I can guarantee you like I would have done some damage (laughs) most definitely when you saw that woman was did she appear drunk or disoriented so and obviously disoriented yes but yes she was disoriented she just kind of was standing there i'm in hindsight obviously she was in shock and she just was kind of standing there i guess that's what made me even more angry is that she wasn't coming over and asking me if we were okay she just stood there just kind of looking around it was weird it was very weird out of this whole incident the only injury was to you with your hand. Right. When the ambulance showed up, they got me into the ambulance and me and the girls so that they could, you know, check us out and everything. Then it was almost like instantaneous as I sat down in the ambulance, I noticed the pain in my hand. I mean, it was super swollen at that point and the pain was horrible horrible and I told them I I think something's broken in my hand my hand hurts really bad and they asked you know were you did something hit you you know in the process of the car coming in and I just flat out told them no I punched the driver's side window and the MT just kind of looked at me in shock I think he was kind of scared (laughs) at that point like oh okay 
I didn't have any shame at that point. He's thinking, I don't want to make her mad. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost positive that's probably what he was thinking. Like, I'm not even going to press this lady. I don't want none of that. Yeah, he 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 looked fairly young, if if I'm remembering correctly. He looked fairly young, so he was probably scared. Poor guy. They asked me if I wanted, you know, them to take me to the emergency room to get checked out. At this point, my mom had shown up. I told them that I would I would get to the emergency room on my own. I just needed to be with my mom. Like I just wanted my mom, you know, <laughs> 26 years old and I want my mommy. <laughs> That's what I wanted at that point in time. I didn't want to go anywhere. Uh, I want to be with my mom. So I told him I would get there on my own, which I did. I went to the ER and the ER doctor seemed to not believe, I guess, that I had a serious injury in my hand because he said that I was typing on my phone at that point in time. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to get a hold of family members to let them know what happened and that we're okay and can you come help and things like that. And I'm one-handed typing pretty much because, I mean, that hand was not going to be able to be used for that point in time. Like, it was just way too painful. So that added to my anger at that point. Did they do an x-ray to determine what was actually the injury? Yeah, so they did an x-ray and it turned out that when I hit the driver's side window, it had chipped off a large piece of bone where your, along where your pinky and your palm meet together and connect to your wrist. There was a chunk of bone just missing. I don't even know where that chunk of bone went because we couldn't find it in the x-ray. They were kind of baffled, but it was very visible that there was a large chunk missing, and that's what was causing all of that pain. So it wasn't broken, per se, in that sense of the word, broken, but there was a large piece just gone. So there's really nothing that they could do for that. No, no. It was going to have to heal on its own. And I think later I had a small little cast on it to kind of help I guess shield it from any further injury, but that's about it. I mean, they can't do anything for that. So what do you do now? You've got no place to live. <sighs> yeah, that was a rough realization. We got back to my apartment complex and they had a model apartment that was fully furnished. So they offered for me to stay there until... We could get into just another, the same size apartment, you know, in the same complex as I was working out everything with the insurance. Because at this point, it's about taking pictures of everything, listing everything that you've lost and contacting the insurance of the vehicle owner for all of that. Right. Because that's who, was, who would have to pay for everything. Right. So basically, that was what I spent the next couple of days doing was taking all of the pictures, listing everything, itemized lists. I mean, they want itemized of every single thing that was destroyed for compensation purposes. So that's what I did for the next couple of days until my apartment offered to move us into another unit that was the same exact as what we were in, but they wanted to charge me $100 more in rent for it, which I thought was just the icing on the cake for the shit show that was this whole entire deal. It wasn't our fault. So um, that was that was rough. So did the driver's insurance come through and, and pay everything? It was rough dealing with the insurance company because, of course, they don't want to, they want to pay out as little as, as possible. They want to nickel and dime you down to the very cent so that they don't have to fork out as much money. But in the end, I ended up going back and forth with them. At first, they only wanted to offer me like three to $4,000 for everything, which is obnoxious, considering we had literally nothing after that. So after a brief phone conversation with them, I just simply told them that, you know what, 
that's fine. I will have my lawyer contact you and we can discuss things further. And I hung up in their face. And what do you know? Five minutes later, they called right back with a much larger number. And I said, yes, that will work this time. Thank you. Did you miss any of your college classes? I am not a quitter. I'm a go-getter. And I'm very hard on myself when it comes to education, schooling, that kind of thing. And this was my first semester in my undergrad. So I was not going to go out like that. My professors actually offered to let me turn in my assignments whenever I could. They encouraged me to go ahead and drop my courses for that semester. They felt that it would be completely understandable if that's what I wanted to do. I declined because I wanted to finish out that semester. I wasn't going to let this be something that held me back from succeeding in the goal that I wanted to succeed in my education. So I decided to stay in for that semester, and I ended up with a 3.8 GPA at the end of that semester. So that is something I hold very dear to me and something I frequently tell my girls about, that you can still do it. I was not going to give up. I was a little handicapped but <laughs> with my hand, but I still showed up to my classes. I still turned in my work, and that was the result of that. So I'm super proud of myself even now for getting through that because I could have just given up. I could have just said, you know what? Yeah, I'll take the rest of the semester off. It's fine. I have an excuse, but I'm not like that. So <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I'm not like that. And your girls know they're never going to have any excuse that matches what yours would have been. Oh, no, sir. Absolutely not. No, I don't play that. And my girls know that. And I've raised them that way. And hopefully I'll see the fruits of my labor as they grow and get older. But we always look back on this story and I just tell them that you never know. You just never know. Because if it had been any other day, a normal day, and we had just been in the living room like we usually were, I don't think that we would have been here today. I, I really don't, especially with as fast as she was going. There's no way that we would have come out of it. There's so many scenarios that, you know, you could have all been sitting at that glass dining room table, Ugh. or you could have been hit, the girls could have been fine, but now they don't have a mother. Just, I mean, you had to have gone through all of those possibilities in your head. Yeah, and that was one of the things that hit me like a ton of bricks that night. I had gotten the girls down to sleep and I got in the shower and I just lost it. I just broke down, sobbing because I realized what we could have lost, how things could have ended up. And it just broke me. I couldn't believe that we were okay. And that all, all that happened was, you know, I had a, a bone fracture, you know, but we were okay. My girls were not injured, not a scratch on them, nothing. Yes, they were traumatized at that point, but I'll take that over having to have a funeral for one of them or for myself or all of us. And that hit me so hard that night. I, I think I cried for about 15 minutes just in the shower with that weight on me. It was that was very I think that was the roughest part of it, because at that point, the adrenaline has worn off. Of course, I'm in a lot of pain. As I was washing my face, there were glass particles embedded in my skin and my face. So it was super painful to wash my face and my feet also. Glass shards were in my feet for several days after that. Even going back into the apartment the next day, to have to take all of the pictures was rough. 
because we had to take a bunch of pictures for the insurance. And Anna came and helped me with that. I remember the insurance adjuster coming in and I had warned her beforehand, you may want to wear some type of closed-toed shoes or boots because there's a lot of debris and nails and glass. And when she showed up, she took one look around the apartment and said, oh, wow, well, it's a good thing you guys weren't here, right? I said, no, we were. And she was shocked. Like, her jaw dropped. She couldn't believe that we were actually present. I couldn't even still believe it. Walking around, taking all of the pictures and seeing that mass destruction and looking at my daughter's crib and looking at Ari's bed where she could have possibly been laying was turned over and had debris on it. She could have been in that bed. So going through and taking all of these pictures was it, it was it was very rough. That was that was that was a doozy as well. Even in the kitchen, I had noticed, I guess the firemen had come in because the food was still cooking when the car drove in. I didn't have time, obviously, to take the food off of the stove. And the pan was completely charred and burned. I don't know if it had maybe caught fire. It looked like it had in the short amount of time because it was just kind of thrown in the sink, completely charred and black. And seeing that, too, was like, wow. Yeah, to have a fire on top of all that. Okay, here's the big question. I'm wondering, why did this driver end up crashing into your place? Oh, my gosh. She told the first responders and the police that she had blacked out. And that's why she crashed. I found that odd because it was six o'clock at night. And what are you blacking out from? You know, when you think of blacking out, you think of alcohol or drugs. That was my first thought, but they didn't field sobriety test her. All she got was a ticket for running the stop sign. And I got a subpoena a few weeks later to appear in court for that because she was trying to contest it and say that she didn't run the stop sign. I showed up to court for that and was waiting to be let into the courtroom. And I looked up and saw her enter the courthouse. And as soon as she saw me, she turned heel and left. Didn't come back in. Mm, she, she thought, I'm not winning this case. Yeah, she knew. She knew. We made eye contact. She knew, A, that she wasn't going to win because I had shown up. And B, she might, she might fuck around and find out. Because I, I, I probably would have laid hands on her. Sorry, Mom, for the curse word, but I probably would have laid hands on her at that point. So I'm sure it was a, a mix of those things. She didn't want to lose her life that day. And she didn't want to lose in court because I was definitely going to get up there and tell them what happened. It's better for both of you that she left. Yes. Because it would have caused a whole lot more headache for you if you had gotten into a fight in the courthouse. Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, I definitely didn't want to leave my girls high and dry with, with a mom wearing an orange jumpsuit. So it was better that she skedaddled out of there. So I ended up leaving as well. There was no way... I was going to stay. It was just going to get dismissed either way. So I had already taken off work for that day. So I just, if she's not staying, I'm not staying. So I left. Fast forward to today. How old are your girls now? And how's everybody doing? Fast forward to today. I have a husband that I met in 2019. We got married. He's been awesome for the girls. Arian Addison. Ari is... 15. Addison is 12, soon to be 13. They are thriving wonderfully in school and they have a lot of their mom in them. So I know they're good. <laughs> of course, Addison doesn't remember anything about that. Ari remembers very little. She just remembers 
being very scared because after that they had a bit of PTSD and couldn't sleep that well uh, for the first couple of weeks after they had nightmares and would wake up. Of course, I made sure that the next apartment that we moved into was upstairs and not near a busy road. Do you still live in that area? Yes. you ever see that place? I drive by it every single day, Scott. You ever think about stopping and talking to the people that live there and saying, hey, you might want to keep an eye out this back door here. I thought about doing that, actually, after everything happened. But I thought, you know what? Let me not scare these people into (laughs) moving out of their apartment. But I noticed that after our incident, there is a big rock in front of that patio area. There is a giant rock there, so if somebody else decides they want to blow through a stop sign, they're going to crash into that instead of the actual apartment. If you want to see pictures of the inside of the apartment after it was demolished by that car, as well as pictures of Anika and her girls, you can see all of that in the show notes for this episode at whatwasthatlike.com slash 130. And of course, you can also read the full transcript of this episode there. I wanted to let you know about a minor change that you might notice coming up in future episodes. I'm about to change to a different media host and ad agency. This is the company that handles the ads and ad placement in the podcast. Currently, I usually have a couple of ads during my conversation with the guest, and maybe one just before that. Each of those is usually like a minute and a half to two minutes which is actually kind of long for an individual ad. Going forward, it'll probably be two different ads at each ad break, but they'll be shorter. So it might seem like you're hearing more ads because there's going to be more sponsors, but still the overall time should be about the same. I just want to let you know so you can understand what's going on. And of course, you can always get all the new episodes without any ads if you want to sign up to support the podcast. And you know what else you get as a supporter for $5 a month? You get all the exclusive episodes of Raw Audio. These are 911 calls and the stories that go with them. In fact, Raw Audio episode 30 was just released. In this episode, a man stops taking his medication and gets in a fight with his dad. Come lock me up. Uh, You said you killed your dad? Yeah. How did you do that? A man calls 911 and invites the police there to come and get him. Where's your gun right now, dude? My officers want to know. It's on my tailgate, on top of my tailgate, right by my right hand. Okay. And I am right-handed. And a woman calls from her car because she's being followed. I'm on Cypress right now. Okay. And he's still behind you? Yeah. I've been making turns and he's been following me every time I switch a lane, he follows me. You can get that full episode and you can binge all 29 previous episodes by signing up to support the podcast at whatwasthatlike.com slash support. And I have to mention another review that has a little misunderstanding. I recently saw this review from a user named USA M Knitter. It says... I like your podcast. You have great stories. I don't like Facebook and other forms of social media and am not a member of any of them. I'm disappointed that one has to be a member of Facebook to see photos or other information. I've listened to you for a couple of years, but gave you four stars out of five because of the Facebook. Well, M. Knitter, this is not true. I'm really glad you're a longtime listener to the show but you definitely don't need to be on Facebook to see all the pictures and other information from each episode. You can get all of that at the podcast website, which is at whatwasthatlike.com. And for a specific episode, you just add a slash and the episode number. For example, today's episode is number 130. So you would just go to whatwasthatlike.com slash 130. It's all there. No Facebook required. Of course, if you want to join in the conversation with other podcast listeners to talk about an episode or other things, that's when you do need to be in the Facebook group. There's something like 4,500 people in that group. 
anyone can join at whatwasthatlike.com slash Facebook. This episode was produced and edited by me. Graphics for this episode were created by Bob Bretz. Episode transcription was created by James Lai. And I highly recommend both of them if you need those services. And now, this week's listener story. This is your reward for listening all the way to the end of the episode, because we always end with a story that was sent in by a listener. If you have an interesting story you can tell in about 5 to 10 minutes, record it on your phone and email it to me, scott at whatwasthatlike.com. Stay safe, and I'll see you in two weeks. Hi, Scott. My name is Rachel, and I just wanted to call and tell you thank you for all the wonderful work you do. I love the show. I love all the interesting stories. And I just wanted to call and share one of my stories. When I was two years old, this is one of my first memories. I was two years old, almost three. My brother and I decided we were going to go sledding on a cold, snowy day. And decided the perfect place was this school across the street that had some little hills behind it. So we headed over there and in the parking lot there were a few cars coming and going because there were some basketball games going on that particular day. It was a Saturday so it was you know rec league basketball games. As we're walking through the parking lot boom All of a sudden, I am knocked to the ground and pinned down, and I had no idea what had happened, but a truck had been pulling out of a parking space and didn't see my little tiny person (laughs) and ran me over. So here I was, two years old, and this truck had backed up over me and Then my brother started to scream bloody murder. You killed my sister. You killed my sister. And the truck driver stopped. And seeing my brother and hearing my brother got scared and didn't know what to do. And he pulled back forward. So the tire, well, the truck knocked me down onto my my belly. The tire went up my leg onto my back. And then he stopped. And then he pulled forward again, so the tire went back down my back and down my leg again. But if he had kept going, he could have possibly run over my head. So it was probably better how it ended up, up happening. So an ambulance was called, and I was taken to a local hospital, small hospital, a few minutes away. We just lived in a small town, and this rural hospital just said we are not equipped to care for her injuries so they life lighted me which I remember I remember taking off in that helicopter they life lighted me to a children's hospital in a nearby big city and there they discovered that I had no broken bones miraculously Uh, You know, kids that age are kind of rubbery anyway, so I had no broken bones, but I was internally bleeding. I had what they called a cracked liver, and my doctor was a very good doctor, and he said, you know, the liver is a very resilient organ. If she could just hold still for a few weeks, I bet it will heal itself and we won't have to do surgery. So, not an easy task for a two-year-old to hold still for a few weeks. But I was in the hospital for 10 days, and then when I returned home, my parents had set up just a steady stream of entertainment. It was movies, books, friends and neighbors and family coming in to play with me, to read stories to me. Tons of people brought toys and activities, coloring books, all kinds of things just to keep me entertained and still so that I could heal. And I recovered fully and I haven't had any lasting effects. Physically, I have been great my whole life. And surprisingly, 
although this was one of my first memories, I haven't been very traumatized by it. I think I was so young that I didn't quite grasp the magnitude of it. But now as a mother, man, my heart just breaks for my parents, what they must have gone through. And anytime I hear of a child getting hit by a car or run over by a car, oh, I try to reach out to them, try to reach, reach out to the family and uh, try to give them some hope because it turned out so well for me and I feel very, very blessed. Someone was definitely looking out for me and I'm so grateful for that because it's been a wonderful life and it could have been cut very short.